I'd walk through the forests, the mountains, and the dunes. I'd swim the rivers, the seas, and the ocean. And I'd listen. I'd listen to the voices of wilderness. The unheard sounds and the forgotten stories that give us the answers humanity is searching for. Welcome to the Wild Foundation Podcast, Voices of Wilderness. Through the stories our guests share, you'll learn about how we can and must protect wilderness for a healthy future. We hope to leave you a little more inspired to speak out, take action, make a difference, and find solutions to the biodiversity and climate crises. From childhood, we're hardwired to love stories. There's something deep within us that resonates with connecting to another person's experience. It's primal. Some of the best stories are shared when we're taken back to our original home, nature. This might be because it brings us back to our roots, or it might be because nature is inherently intriguing and manages to pinpoint the most hidden emotions deep inside of us. We're diving headfirst into this. We're bringing this feeling back, even when we don't get the chance to be in nature. In our Campfire Wilderness Stories series, our guests will share their stories of fear, wonder, and connection that make their link to nature a unique and inspiring one. Today, we're joined by Adam Hansen, a 10-year member of the Wild Foundation and someone that I'm lucky to call a friend. Adam's on a mission to foster healthy relationships between people and nature. Adam grew up in the prairies of northwestern Minnesota in an area that was a prehistoric basin for Lake Agassiz, one of the largest glacial lakes in North America. During his youth, Adam always spent time playing and simply being outdoors. These many experiences and encounters cultivated his connection to nature. And as you can imagine, he now has lots of stories to share. What does wilderness inspire within him? What does he feel in nature? Where does he feel the most connected to nature? Immerse yourself around a campfire, in the forest, in Adam's exciting stories. Take a seat and join us. Adam, Adam, Adam. I am so happy to be chatting with you today. We are going to be having a lovely conversation and all of this really came from, I'm going to say your idea. You inspired us to have these deeper conversations with members of the team and then hopefully expand that out to beyond the team. But, you know, I'll I'll give the, the listeners a little bit of a background here before we dive into who Adam is. But we have these weekly team calls where every Wednesday we check in on work or we check in on different life experiences or stories. And Adam led one that was so beautiful and really wonderfully done. And he shared incredible stories and got us all on the wild team to share some of our most wonderful wilderness stories. And needless to say, it left me very teary-eyed and emotional. So we're just excited to dive in. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of an intro on who you are, what you do, 
Thank you, Jackie. Yeah, that was such a wonderful meeting. And, you know, I wanted to bring a space to, to, to have a connection together, a mutual connection with all the team members from WILD. And instead of like just saying that that's what we wanted, I, was, I said, how about we share stories where we felt really connected to ourselves and nature? And it, it took off from there. And, and we had these wonderful conversations with one another and found out new things about each of the members of WILD. And it was, it was so much fun. So I'm really happy to be here. And thank you. It's, it's an honor to sit with you today and have these conversations. My name is Adam Hansen. I am a dad, a brother, and also a member of the Wild Foundation. And I've been here for about 10 years with the Wild and worn several, a variety of hats, so to speak. But I'm, I'm here because my, one of my purposes is fostering healthy and respectful relationships between people and nature. And I see that Wild's mission overlaps with my own common purpose. So it's great to be here. I grew up many time in the prairies of northwestern Minnesota. In that area is a formerly it was a prehistoric basin for Lake Agassiz, one of the largest glacial lakes in North America at its time. I lived in the countryside about eight miles outside of a small rural community in Crookston, Minnesota, near the shorelines of Lake Agassiz, where the prairies transitioned to forest ecosystem. So during during my youth you know, our family was always spending time playing uh, outdoors or spending time, whether it was work, play, hunting, or fishing. We spent a majority of the time outside. You know, at that time, we internet wasn't a thing. You know, cell phones weren't around. And so, uh, and you could only watch so much TV in a day. Like on the weekends, my mom would say, hey, you only get one hour of cartoons every Saturday morning, and then you get kicked out of the house, and you just go find something to do. I remember being like, what What am I going to do, mom? Figure it out. Figure it out. There's a whole forest behind their house and a whole grassland, you know, go explore. And so I remember spending time just like literally laying on the floor of the forest and watching bugs pass by and <laughs> admiring birds and were, you know, kind of bored in some ways. And then the other side being really curious about the things that I was connecting with, you know? And so, yeah, that was kind of a, a view into my childhood in Northwestern Minnesota. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have. There's four siblings. So I grew up in a large family of, of both boys and girls. I was number four. Wow. Would you they're as connected to nature, having had the same upbringing, you know, sort of with household rules of you no know, television and all that. Would you say that they also have a love of nature or do you think that that was just something sort of in your spirit that it really connected to? Yeah, no, they all have a love for nature. And I think it has to do a lot with how our family engaged in activities outdoors and specifically around hunting and fishing and respecting, you know, the animals that we harvested and also having family rituals to do, you know, where our aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa got together on weekends specifically for deer hunting. And uh, everybody kind of pitched in as we harvested meat and at that time, you know, it was important to have that meat, you know, as an extra source of nutrition for us. And as I grew older, it wasn't as necessary. But when I was younger, for sure, it was, you know, times were tough. And so people were living off of the, the land in order to 
to feed their families throughout the year and, and save money, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you bring up a really great, it's, there's a way, you know, if upon hunting and fishing, I'm a big fisher woman myself, personally, and I, I love being out there. It's a way that I connect to nature. But there's, you're right, there's a way to do it with respect, with tradition, with certain things that it's honoring the land and those animals and the cycle of life. Living off the land is something that people have done forever. And but I think what we've lost in our society is that connection to it, is that really deep connection to understanding that cycle of life and respecting that and, and viewing it as a beautiful thing. So I think it's a really, it's so interesting that you you know, that's a way that you connected not only to nature, but to, to your family as well. Do you think that, um, I mean, of course you were younger when you were doing all of those things. How did it kind of, how did you know that this is what you wanted to do conservation work and diving deeper into nature and the natural world? How did you know that that's what you ended up wanting to do with your career and your life? At a young age, my dad would took me out hunting and fishing and through those adventures, he really kind of slowed me down in those environments, he taught me how to observe the natural world, also respect it and, and respect the gifts that it provides us, whether it was fresh air, clean water, or the animals that we we're harvesting. These principles and values were kind of embedded in all of our adventures together. And he not only, you know, it was an example of those values when we went out, but he also carried that into the community. My dad was a firearm safety instructor. And and so he taught kids and how to handle their firearms, but respect life and respect nature. And, you know, I, I was always kind of tagging along with him as he taught those courses and until I was old enough at the age of 11 to, to take those courses. And so when I became of age to actually hunt, I... I remember it was, it was as if it was a rite of passage for my father. Like I had witnessed all these other people go through the process and it was now my turn. And that year after I got my firearm safety uh, certificate, the family got together as we do as an annual deer hunt. And both my, all my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and my siblings. And at 11 and a half, my dad handed me a, a rifle and it was quite the honor. Without any bullets, he said, I, I want you to carry this rifle um, as we hunt this first day and practice as if you had, as if this firearm was loaded. And once I trust that you can handle this with respect, I'll give you, you know, a, a bullet. And so throughout that day, my dad was by my side and my uncles, and they were witnessing how I was caring for my firearm and also walking through forests and, and managing the whole situation where there's other hunters set up and understanding my own situational awareness and where I could shoot my shooting lanes and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, my dad reached over and handed me a bullet and said, here you go, son. I'm going to leave you. You're all by yourself. Here's a bullet. And we're going to drive this patch of riverbed forest and which there was you know, 12 inches in snow on the ground. And we would be about 25, 30 yards away from the next person in a line. And we would push the woods to, to push the deer out. And then there was people that were posted on the other side of the forest. And there's 
different techniques that you use to make sure that you're aware of where everybody's at. And so I was following those as we were walking through the forest. And all of a sudden, a deer presented itself and was running through the forest ahead of me on its way out. And my uncle had shot and missed at it. And so I was like, okay, so this is a good animal to harvest. I'm I'm ready. And I remember bringing up my firearm and pulling the trigger and seeing the animal fall and being the first to go up and admire this deer. And it was a clean shot and the animal had a very quick and swift death. But just sitting by this deer and putting my hand on it, its neck and admiring how beautiful it was. And so and my heart was racing and, and uh, there was so much emotions, the grief, grieving the life that I had just taken and also the emotion of excitement of like harvesting this animal, this meat, you know, that we can all eat. And also just being so proud, like my father gave me a bullet and I was able to harvest an animal. And so it was this deep connection to all life. You know, at that moment it was life and death. I pulled the trigger. There were so many emotions and and so much admiration for just life. And I say that story, you know, there's that was just the first step, you know, the honoring honoring the animal like by cleaning it and butchering it and celebrating it was the next part and very important. But I share that story because that's kind of a window into the depth of connection I have with life and the natural world. And that it started at such a young age, at 11. And I was surrounded by family, a community. And this was a ritual. These practices were annual. And so it was kind of embedded in my DNA, if you will. Like my ancestral heritage was just passed through me. And through these experiences, I, you know, I grew to want to be a game warden, actually, to protect and enforce you know, the laws to protect our natural resources and nature. And that's what kind of catapulted me into the conservation realm, uh, I would say. It wasn't one necessarily event, but it was so many rituals and so many experiences of deep connection with the natural world with people surrounded by people that I love, family and friends. No, I really appreciate you sharing that story because it's it's um, so not necessarily unique because I'm sure a lot of people who hunt and who do it for the right reasons who have that connection feel similarly, but it's so profound. And I think in our world, we specifically the, you know, the Western world where hunting is a very hot topic on uh, different, you know, it's pretty polarizing, but I think a lot of people think that if you hunt, you actually don't have a connection to life and death or you don't have an emotional connection to the life you've taken. Whereas in the story that you just shared, I really feel that you cared. You care about that animal, that ritual, that practice, which is not just like people, only people in the West hunt. Every people from all different groups, all different backgrounds all over the world have practiced hunting in many different ways. It's part of, of many different human societies. But it's really wonderful to hear that story and hear how it pushed you to even a deeper connection to the natural world. And then furthermore, wanting to protect not just the animals, but the land, the resources, the cycles that happen in these natural areas. It's so, it's really wonderful. And I feel like I already have a, a million follow-up questions because 
you know, you have two boys and have they hunted before? Are they, are they feeling connected to the land? Obviously you live in a, you live in DC now, so it's a little different, but I don't know what is their connection. And, and as a father, how do you feel about, about instilling that connection in them? Yeah, that's a great question. So I mean, they're, they're five and two right now. So they're you know, a bit young to join a hunt, but there are opportunities to be exposed. Me being a younger child, my younger days, I was definitely at deer camp at the age of five, you know. And so, I mean, to, to answer your question, the process, the tools in which I was sharing with you that my dad shared with me, like the ability to observe nature and almost mimic it in a way, is something that we practice, even though we live in D.C., right? When we go outside, it's just such a natural or inherent response, actually. Um, when we go outside, they'll hear birds, you know, and they'll, and they'll make an observation, you know, what, what is that? And then we'll practice mimicking. So if, you know, as, as they were like one, I'd walk around and I would say, hey, do you notice I see this? I see a bird or I hear this. And it's, it's, it's like exercising their observation skills from a young age. And through that, they, you know, they're more connected to the things that occur around them. I notice that anyways. You know, every morning if they walk outside, they hear a crow, they immediately respond to the crow's noise and like look and point at the tree. You know, that's our two-year-old. Our five-year-old is uh, also, you know, very observant to the extent where I don't even know all the things that he's he's observing until like I sit down and he'll say something or just blow my mind like he knew everything that was outside when we walked out like there's a cardinal in the tree there was a crow in the tree and all of a sudden he'll tell me a story 10 minutes later about them oh my god I didn't even you know we were walking in the car I was asking you questions and all this stuff was going on but you were so aware of your surroundings so anyways those are those are some skills and, and tools that, you know, I'm passing down from my dad that I, I hope I provide tools. And also, I think it's just inherent, too. So I'm just fostering something that is so natural, giving it space to grow as as a, a kind of normalizing it for them. Like, yeah, I hear that, too. Um, I notice that as well. And no, I think it's I, I think you you said it perfectly. It's it's innate in us. It's just part of us. We are connected. We just almost have forgotten that connection or are feel disconnected from it because of the way society has been set up now where we are distant from it. And, you know, that kind of relates to a question I'd love to ask you, which is what does wilderness represent to you? You know, we I live in Boulder, Colorado. You live in D.C. It's not like we live in the middle of the wilderness. But so what does that look like to you? What does it feel like to you, mean to you? And I guess, how do you incorporate it in your life? You know, and that could be your work and all of that, but I'd just love to hear more from you on that. Yeah. So wilderness to me has so many meetings, but it's a space where, yeah, I can, I feel most alive if I were to sum it up. You know, it's just like, it's a space where I can slow down and connect with myself and expand my awareness to the natural world around me. And, you know, it's a, a, a place where there's almost a sense of freedom. And it's also an intersection, just kind of like uh, I was mentioning before, it's, it's like a, it's a place for that life or death kind of on the edge, so to speak. It's all of those together, like, and it can also be wilderness in my backyard. So it's it's so much to me. Like it could be, you know, hiking to the top of a mountain, and you know, and knowing that if I 
take one wrong step, I'm like slipping down this cliffside. And so it's like that life and death intersection. And so my heart rate is super high and there's this excitement and there's this fear and, and, and not having access to resources immediately. So I'm kind of left to the people I'm with or myself to get out of here. You know, it, it can be my backyard, you know, once I moved to the city, one of the most challenging things moving from a remote rural area into the heart of DC was feeling the connection, you know, feeling the connection with the natural world, with all of the concrete and buildings. And it was my work, my practice to find that connection, find that way to slow down and admire and wonder all of the life around me. And so that, that took a long time, actually, of slowing down. And now I'm at a point where you know, I'm able to admire the trees and the plants and the native plants or understand those and, and have this connection of how they work. And so I've learned more of how, how can you plant specific or what can you plant, you know, specifically in your backyard to create habitat that invites a variety and diversity of species and can host them. And so those are those are things that really excite me. If you had to pick a place in the world, where do you feel the most connected to wilderness? And do you have a story to share about that? <laughs> Tough question, I know. Big question. This world's a big place, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's so many places. It's almost like a feeling. It's not necessary, necessarily a place, but it's like a, a visceral feeling or emotional connection that I get in places that it's like, oh, I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here at this, like, it's like ultimate bliss almost. And there's this, so one, one experience or a story of experiencing wilderness and how it feels and what I noticed in my body. Like I, I lived in the Philippines for several years and I grew up in the Midwest, but I was never really exposed to the ocean very much until I became a Peace Corps volunteer and I work with coastal resource management and small island development. And part of that process was getting certified as a scuba diver. And I had never really spent time snorkeling in the ocean at all. And so after I got my scuba certification that was done in lakes in Minnesota, I was going off to the Philippines and traveled to my site. And a friend that I had just met, was a, a master diver, scuba diver, and had had lots of experience. And, and you know, I asked him if, if uh, we could spend some time swimming in the ocean together. In which, so we went out where I lived in this island called Simara, and we started snorkeling to kind of pushing the limits. I had done the shallow snorkeling and stuff like that, but not like the surface diving to depths of like 20 meters or 15 or 20 meters or anything like that. I didn't even know how to practice exercising doing that, but I wanted to be able to get closer to the reef to see things at different depths because we didn't have access to scuba tanks in these remote areas. So through this process, I remember swimming out past the reef with him into the deep blue. And at that moment, you know, all of this stuff just kind of came at me in my body like this isn't right like i'm like a sitting duck out here and there's sharks in the water and i'm gonna get attacked or what if i get attacked i'm in this remote area all these things came up and uh, my body like the ability to process them like just letting it go is almost a, a meditation 
Like, just let it go, let it go. And it, it was at that moment where everything was just let go and I could be absolutely present. And no matter what happened, happened. And it was out of my control. And all of those emotions that just came filtering in were very much there and present and just kind of honored in a way that, all right, this is where I'm at. And it was the process of going into wilderness is having that opportunity where you're faced with everything that kind of goes on in the head, all your emotions, my physical uh, reactions presenting themselves to me and then letting it all go and like being able to dispose of whatever element I'm in and being 100% present. And that would increase my awareness and like heighten all my senses and my abilities. And it makes me feel super alive and just present. And it's like the colors are more vibrant. The sounds are, are more vibrant. The smells are so nostalgic, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. So, no, I love that. I mean, it's, it, it makes me, it makes me really miss the ocean, you know, and just hearing you talk about that, I connect with it so deeply. Um, yeah, it makes me really want to go diving. I can't believe I'm going to sit in my office all day, but yeah, it's, um, no, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because, these are the things that we're trying to get people to feel and to just think about because people have those experiences in wilderness. And I think it's so important to somewhat sit and reflect on that and hear stories from other people as well, because sometimes we just think, oh, it's an experience, just like any other experience. And okay, it, it came and went and on to the next thing, because that's what our world is about now. And so it's spending some time talking about our experiences and your experiences, you know, in the case of today, chatting with you is so awesome. Like I, I get teary eyed because I, now I just want to go diving, you know, and it's, um, it's really special. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, please. I was, if there's anything else you'd like to share, go ahead. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's an element of that story that I told that's really key and important to me that, you know, that moment where all of that stuff came up in the middle of the ocean, you know, Basically, I was with somebody, you know, and I got to share that experience and that connection. In that moment, I was witnessed by them. And I vividly remember that. And there's a, and I feel connected to that person. And that person, no matter how many more experiences we've had together, if it was just that one, I feel like I could reach out to that person if I ever remembered that moment and that we would have, you know, the ability to just be right there together. And so those times when you have a deep connection with wilderness or these spaces, natural spaces, and you share it with somebody else, it, it provides this deeper connection to humanity too in our relations, relationships to people um, that we're not alone, you know, but this is, it, wilderness is a, can be a scary place. It can be an exciting place, be you know, that intersection of life and death, and we're in it together, you know, and, and so that's an important element, I think, into the storytelling as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you, you summed it up so beautifully, too. That connected, that connection and connectedness with nature and humans, I really hope it's something that we all get back to, you know, and that we all have a, a chance to experience, because it's, it's part of human life. It's part of humanity. It's part of the cycle of life. So I appreciate you so much for doing this today, for talking to us and for sharing your stories. 
and for taking a risk in going on a podcast. I really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Find us on social media through the Wild Foundation. And if you're feeling inspired, don't hesitate to share this podcast with those around you and maybe even give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support more than you know, and it's that support that allows our work to continue and evolve.